Welcome to day five of our look through John chapter 10, which I have called the Psalm 23 of the New Testament. We're going to take a look today at verses 30 to 42. Jesus ends his talk about sheep and shepherds, about promise and power and assurance by talking about himself, just the solid truth about himself. Listen to what he says in verses 30 to 33. I and the Father are one. When he said this, verse 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Verse 30, that short verse, I and the Father are one. The language of verse 30 is extremely important. So let's walk through this verse slowly, taking a look at the Greek language here. I and the Father are one. I, Jesus starts with. He doesn't say the Son of Man or the Son of God and the Father are one. He says I. It's extremely personal. It's extremely clear. There's no room for doubt. He's talking about himself. And then he says, and the Father, that phrase. Not a Father, but the Father. Not even my Father, but the Father. God, who is the Father of us all. So he connects himself and Father God. I and the Father are. That one word even means a lot. Are, this is a plural verb that shows the individuality of both God and Jesus. He's going to say that they are one here. But this word are that's used in the Greek language, it has the sense that they are individuals also. I and the Father are one. One, that noun is a neuter noun and not a masculine noun. What does that mean? It means in the Greek language that Clearly, he's not saying we're the same person, but he's using it in a way that indicates a unity of being. Now, it's more than just a unity of fellowship or one in purpose. There's a unity of being here. Now, that's clear because of how those who listened that day understood him to be talking. They understood that he was claiming to be God. In fact, they say, the Pharisees say when they pick up stones to kill him because they consider this blasphemy, that you, a mere man, claim to be God. The idea of that phrase there is that you are constantly, continually making yourself out to be God. Jesus has an answer, verses 34 to 39. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. What Jesus is doing with the Pharisees here is giving arguments for who he is. First, he gives an argument from scripture, and then he gives an argument from, from experience. It's the argument from Scripture that we have a bit of a hard time getting our minds around. His argument from Scripture is from Psalm 82, verse 6. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came. He's quoting from the Old Testament, and he's saying, it's a little G here, by the way. He called these judges gods as he gave his word to them because they were going to have power and authority over people. And he's saying, if God the Father was willing to use this term for a judge, a human judge, a frail judge, a sinful judge that he set up on this earth, why are you getting so hung up on the word, son of God? You see, Jesus isn't saying here that these judges were little gods. He's talking instead to the Pharisees about words. And the fact that they'd gotten so hung up on a word that they couldn't see Jesus for who he really, really, truly was. 
God in flesh in this world. He's trying to break through their thinking through this verse in the Old Testament. Now, as he talks about this, there's a couple of things not to miss. Just seemingly small things, but incredibly important things. Don't miss the fact that Jesus talks about the Father sending him into the world as I was sent into the world. Remember this. Everyone else is born into this world, every other human being. But Jesus was sent into this world. Our existence, my existence, yours, it began with our conception. But not Jesus. He's existed from eternity. And so he was sent into this world. We're born into this world. Jesus has existed from eternity to eternity. We have eternal life, but it began in this world. That's the difference between Jesus and us. And then don't miss that just simple phrase. And the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus' respect for the word of God is without fault, without question. He again and again respects the depth of our trust in God's word. And even here with these words, the scripture cannot be broken. His argument from scripture Now, that argument made the most sense to the Pharisees. It's the argument from experience that's going to make the most sense to you. Jesus says, look at what I do. The miracles, if you don't believe anything else, the miracles are an evidence of who I am. Jesus has shown us who he is all throughout John chapter 10. In fact, John 10, in this chapter, Jesus makes three great declarations, gives us three great assurances. I call them declarations of assurance. Jesus says he's the door, so I need to enter through him. Jesus says he is the good shepherd, so I need to follow him. Jesus says he is the son of God, so I trust in him and his power. I want to, in just a minute, look at the last three verses in John 10. But before we do that, let's take a moment to pray together right now. Jesus, I pray that you would help me not just to talk or think about trust, but to actually trust. Jesus, I pray that you would Strengthen me to let the assurance of your relationship with me be the foundation of my trust in you today. And as you talk to Jesus about trust, you might just ask yourself these questions. What relationship do I need to trust him with today? What financial situation do I need to trust him with today? What problem do I need to trust him with today? What doubt do I need to trust him with right now? What disappointment do I need to trust him with? Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You're the door. You're the son of God. I can trust in you. So I pray, help me today, strengthen me today to make the choice moment by moment to trust in you. I can't even make that choice without you. But in you, in you, I can do all things. I trust in you, Jesus Christ, in your name. Amen. Now, as we close our look at this chapter, it's interesting, after this discussion of who Jesus is, Jesus slips from their grasp, which he often does, you probably notice as we've gone through John. Some of the times that he does this, you have the sense that it's a miracle. Other times, you have the sense that it's just him getting lost in the crowd, but whatever, it wasn't time yet. It wasn't time yet for him to go to the cross. The last verses, verses 40 to 42, tell us where he goes. And I saved them till after our prayer today because they they really set up what we're going to talk about next week. Those verses say this. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Now, I think about Jesus in this place back across the Jordan. It was a good place. 
People came day by day. Many lives were changed. Many believed in him. It was a place he could have stayed the rest of his life with great joy and great ministry and wonderfully changed lives. It even had strong spiritual history. It was the place where John had baptized. But it was not the place where he was meant to stay. It was a part of his ministry, but it was not the core of his ministry. John 10, 40 to 42, they're the calm before the storm. Jesus is headed towards a cross, towards his suffering and our salvation. And we see him headed in that direction as next week we take a look together at John chapter 11, the miracle of the raising of a man who was dead, the raising of his friend, Lazarus. 